0: Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. We lift you up, Jesus. Name that is lifted high. The name that is above every name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Tonight, uh, special service. Uh, We don't do this all the time, but uh, we are apostolic, so we like to follow the word of God. All the parts, the good parts, the bad parts, the uncomfortable parts. Uh, And so tonight, um, we will be doing a a foot washing service, so thank you for coming. It's your lucky night. Um, And so, um, it'll be, I'll talk for a little bit uh, about that, and then we'll split up. Uh, The ladies will stay in here, and the guys will go in the hallway in the kitchen, where we can uh, do uh, foot washing in there if you want to be a part of it. If if you don't want to be a part of it, um, we still ask you to come and just be So the women can be in here by themselves and men can be by ourselves out there. And so um, as we're standing, we go to the word of the Lord, John, the 13th chapter. Start reading in verse 4. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Then Simon Peter said to them, Lord, not only my feet, but also wash my hands and my head. Uh, And so I want to talk to us tonight for a little bit uh, from this title, The Servant of All. Turn around, shake a few hands before you're seated this evening. Man, the, the disciples were always arguing amongst themselves who was the greatest of them. Um, I guess it is human nature when you get a bunch of guys together, you just you start arguing and fighting and wrestling, trying to sh- prove our strength and what little strength we have, think we have. Uh, and so... Um, Nothing was different back then, 12 guys on a three-year camping trip with Jesus, and things just get rough real quick, uh, and so uh, there's many instances in the Bible where uh, we can see where the, the disciples are arguing. There's actually one point where uh, it, it says that they were talking amongst themselves, trying not to let Jesus wouldn't hear them, uh, and so he asks about them later, obviously he knows everything and knows what they're talking about, but um, uh, the disciples were always up to that, and I'm sure Peter, he had a big mouth, and so I'm sure he was declaring to be the greatest all the time uh, amongst them all, Uh, but to aid in their efforts, a couple of guys got their mother involved, and that is always interesting uh, when the mother gets involved, adds a twist to things and we see in Matthew 20:20 uh then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him and he said unto her what wilt thou she saith unto him grant that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on the left hand in thy kingdom I know Jesus, that you have twelve guys, but I'm only asking that the two chairs on your right and left be given to my sons. I don't care about the other ten, but my two sons are the greatest. And so, uh, this uh, James and 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 John, the uh, the sons of Zebedee, uh, their mother got involved in it somehow. We're not sure if uh, they conspired together to go. Have their mother ask this, or their mother just wanted to ask this. But uh, I'm sure that uh, uh, the rest of the ten probably never let those guys live that down, that moment uh, where their mother came to fight for them. But uh, asked if James can sit on one side and John on the other. And these are obviously places of prominence in the kingdom of God and uh, places of importance, obviously. Uh, in any uh, kingdom uh, you got your 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 special people uh, that sit close to the throne of power and so obviously there's nothing wrong with holding a position of responsibility and uh, a, a place of authority in a in an organization uh, or business you could be a, a rich business owner or a the the man of your own kingdom, and that's great. God put that in each of us to to do well and to uh, achieve for greatness. But um, um, when you pursue the position instead of an opportunity to minister and to use it for the glory of God, that's when things can easily turn uh, sour and go the wrong direction. And so um, greatness in the kingdom of God has nothing to do with our own personal elevation or where our seat is in the church or uh, what role we have or what title we may hold. Uh, none of that is important and none of that plays into a, a, the place and the, the prominence and importance of being great in the kingdom of God. Somebody uh, that cleans the church can be the greatest in the church. You don't have to have a position or a microphone or uh, uh, stand behind a a pulpit to uh, uh, think that you're the greatest in the the kingdom. Uh, Jesus tells us what it means to be the greatest, and it is not a place of uh, position or power or title, but it is a place of ministry. As long as we are ministers and and ministering in the kingdom of God, we can become and, and be the greatest in his kingdom. Uh, Matthew twenty twenty two, Jesus answered and said, he's responding to uh, uh, Mrs. Zebedee, uh, he said, you know not what you ask, are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am to be baptized with? And they said unto him, yes, we are able to, uh, obviously, just taking that at, face value sure we can yeah who, who can't drink a cup and get baptized but obviously Jesus didn't meant mean those things he meant something uh, much more heavier than something like that uh, notice that Jesus did not rebuke them uh, for wanting to be great and to have a place of greatness or rebuke uh, Miss Zebedee um, he co- what he condemned was uh, their understanding of what greatness was. Uh, Jesus gives James and John an insight into what it takes to do great things in his kingdom. Uh, there must be a willingness to drink the cup that Jesus drank from and a willingness to be baptized with his baptism. And so, uh, again, he's not talking about getting dunked in the water, and he's not talking about just drinking a cup of water. Uh, A cup is something that you drink uh, from that goes uh, into the inside of your being. And here, I believe Jesus is referring to the great internal struggles that a great leader will face. If you want to be great, then you're going to have to drink from this cup. And the cup is not uh, a pleasant drink. It is uh, very uh, sour and and bitter to the taste, if you will, if we could put a taste to it, because uh, struggles and trials and situations that somebody that is great is going to uh, experience and have to work through in their life. And so, but it's amazing to see not long after this verse, Do we see Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane and listen to what he prayed in Matthew 26, 39? Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as it will, but as thou wilt. And so here Jesus is telling James and John, are you able to drink the cup that I have to drink from? And they said, sure. And then here Jesus is praying, oh, can if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Uh, and so obviously it's not a simple drinking cup, but obviously the struggle that uh, of internal struggle that Jesus was drinking from was so bitter, so harsh, so overwhelming that he prayed, as he prayed, blood began to ease from his pores as a result of this struggle, drinking from it. And that is basically... If, you wanna, if we want to put a name to this drink, uh, to this cup, it would basically be death. You have to drink death because death uh, is where Jesus' will, uh, his human will had to die. Not my will, but your will be done. And so uh, the, the cup of death, if you will, is not pleasant and nobody really wants to drink it naturally. But uh, if we want to be his disciples, we have to pick up our cross and follow after him each day. And in doing so, we are partaking of this same cup, the cup of death, if you will, where it's not about us, not about our will, but about God's will. And uh, he taught, references baptism. Well, we obviously know that baptism is immersion. You're getting covered by the waters uh, in a literal, figurative, uh, a, a literal baptism. But in this context, Jesus is not talking about the the rite of baptism where we're baptized in Jesus' name. He's obviously using it in a symbolic sense, probably referring to the the external persecution that he was going to be thrust into. He's going to be overwhelmed uh, by persecution, overwhelmed by mocking and scourging and 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 uh, harsh words being said to him, and and punishment, and crucifixion, uh, all of that that Jesus just it just overwhelmed him like water, uh, like a baptismal uh, uh, encounter with the water where it just engulfs you. And so, uh, if you desire to be a great prayer warrior, a great singer, a great preacher, a great soul winner, a great uh, uh, Sunday school teacher, if you have that desire, and, and it's not because you want uh, praises or accolades or, uh, or if you want trophies, but it's because you want to do something for the kingdom of God, you've got to be willing to drink of the cup of suffering and be baptized uh, with uh, the persecution that Jesus was. Uh, experience because we are really following in his footsteps and so what he faced we should expect to face at some point in our life in some form or fashion and so people will uh, misjudge you, people will criticize you, Uh, they won't understand why you go to church so much and uh, why you don't go to certain places, why don't you watch certain things or Listen to certain music. They, why don't you say certain words? Or why do you spend time in prayer? And and uh, why do you fast? Why, why would you do these things? Or people may not understand the, the life of, of holiness that you pursue after, and uh, they may uh, mock you and make fun of you or or, or persecute you for that, and it's simply because they they don't know. Uh, why you are doing that and why you choose to make those choices in your life. But uh, there is a reason behind it all, a purpose, a desire, and that is to do great things for God. And that desire must be strong enough to withstand any ridicule from man that we may face. If we can't withstand the, the making fun of and uh, the scourging or the, the persecution that may come our way, then uh, we're, we're following the wrong guy. Uh, because uh, if the world hated Jesus, the world's going to hate us. And we have to come to understand that. And so to drink this cup is to drink death to our ambitions, to our own comforts, our indulgence, and so that we may be transformed into the man that God Uh, that desires you to be, and the woman that God has called you to be, we have to be willing to endure and to take of the cup and of the baptism that Jesus experienced. And so James and John both responded that they were able to drink and that they were able to be baptized the same way that Jesus was about to. Uh, And as history tells us, uh, that they, indeed they did. Uh, James was beheaded in Acts chapter twelve, uh, and so and then John suffered great persecution throughout his whole life. They uh, history tells us that he was boiled boiled alive in oil, and that did not kill him. And so, got mad at him and banished him to the Isle of Patmos, which I guess I'd take that over getting boiled in oil. But uh, you have to survive the boiling of oil to go to Patmos. Uh, And so we probably won't make that trip. But uh, John, for whatever reason, God allowed him to stay alive through many persecutions when other people, other disciples, even his own brother, did not survive. Uh, John received this great revelation from God and insight into heaven that a few men in history ever received. And so greatness in God's kingdom requires people who are willing to pay the price. Whatever the price is, we have to say, yes, uh, I'm willing to pay the price at whatever cost. And so it's easier to partake of the cup of suffering when the attack or the persecution comes from the outside. But it's a lot harder to swallow that cup when the persecution when the ridicule, when the pain comes from someone that you know and someone you love, that's a lot harder to swallow. And even more so if it comes from somebody in this room uh, because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And of all places, it should not happen in here. Uh, And so if it, God forbid, if it does happen, those wounds cut very deep because this should be the last place anything like that happens and so when you feel betrayed when we have a certain expectation for others to do that to us uh, uh, we can expect uh, sinners to treat us that way but for our own family or brothers or sisters in Christ uh, we we don't have an expectation for that to happen to us we we don't. That doesn't enter our mind because it shouldn't happen. But the phrase goes, "There's no hurt like church hurt." And so, when people get hurt in the church, uh, it cuts deep, and and uh, many people leave church because of that. God forbid. Uh, but uh, again, we don't have that expectation that we should we would come here and to get hurt by others, and and God forbid if we do that or. Uh, surely we are well-educated enough to know what the Bible talks about, uh, repentance and asking for forgiveness. And so if we do cause harm uh, to others, uh, we should be willing to go and ask for forgiveness and do what it takes to make it right because we know uh, what, it, what we should be doing and not doing. Uh, and so uh, it's uh, the, this place, the church is a symbol uh, of a safe place and it should always be Uh, A safe place. But in order to be great in the kingdom of God, that's going to depend on how we deal uh, with uh, church hurt, how we deal with persecution, how we deal with uh, people not treating us right. If we can't handle uh, that type of persecution or any persecution, then we can't really expect to rise to any kind of level of greatness when we can't get through uh, certain things and again we, we face things no matter what level we're at we're going to face things uh, and so if we want to advance quote unquote advance to a higher level we have to pass all the tests if you will at this level to go to the next level and there's always going to be tests of persecution and pain and trials and tribulations and so how we handle those really says a lot of, of how mature we are spiritually and if we're able to uh, go on to greater things, because the greater we get, the higher we go, uh, the bigger of a target we become, not just for people, but for the devil and for the, uh, the kingdom of darkness. And so the higher we climb the ladder, the easier it is to shoot at us. Uh, and so we have to be expecting uh, anything and be willing to go through it. And so Jesus tells us what his view of greatness is. Matthew twenty twenty five. but Jesus called them unto him and said, "Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, that they are great uh, exercise uh, authority upon them. But it shall not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the son of man came not to be ministered to, Uh, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so Jesus begins by telling us what greatness is not. Greatness is not exercising dominion and authority over people, as he refers in verse 25. That's not what greatness is. The world may view greatness like that, and you can command people to do stuff, uh, God does not view that as greatness. It's not about power, fame, recognition, and authority or wealth or or buildings. But the way the world measures greatness is vastly different than the way God does. Jesus tells us that greatness is about serving others, about putting others first. So we don't come to be to be served, but we come to be a, a servant unto somebody else. That is what greatness is. And What a drastic difference it is from the kingdom of God to the, from the kingdom of this world because there literally are polar opposites. In the world, greatness is being at the top of the ladder, but in the kingdom of God, greatness is being at the bottom of the ladder, being the servant, being the minister, and meeting the needs of others. And so our, in our mind, somebody is great when they are being served by other people, the, 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 the good old American dream, I guess, of, of having butlers and servants where you don't have to do anything anymore and you just people just take care of your house and cook you food and all that stuff. That's a nice dream, but it'll probably always be a dream. Uh, but that's not the view of greatness in God's eyes. God's view of greatness are, are actually those servants that are serving that uh, rich guy, if you will. But Uh, The real greatness is when you are willing to humble yourself and serve others. Matthew 23 and 12, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. And so, uh, humility is the starting point on the path uh, to becoming great in God's kingdom. Humility is not thinking lowly of yourself. It's not... Uh, thinking that you're just worthless and you're uh, you're a servant. Humility is not thinking of yourself at all. It's my I shouldn't be in the picture. My needs should not be here. It's about your needs. Uh, it's about how can I minister to you and how can I serve you. Uh, that is where humility is. And so, at the Last Supper, Jesus beautifully illustrates this point for us uh, during uh, this time period. This this day and age of the world uh, back then, it was the job of the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servants to wash the feet of the guests of somebody's house. If you were, uh, you would be thankful if you were the toilet guy uh, as compared to the foot washer guy. Uh, you did not want to be demoted to the foot washer because that was the lowest Uh, level on the totem pole Uh, and so uh, because uh, think about it back then they had sandals they didn't have Nikes they had sandals uh, and they walked everywhere Uh, and so my my feet and my socks somehow get dirty even with shoes on and can you imagine uh, walking around without uh, socks and walking with uh, sandals? I guess some ladies, depending on what shoes you wear. I don't wear flip-flops, so I, I can't relate to that. But um, it's not, and it's not walking the streets of America either. It's walking around in a desert, uh, uh, and so you can imagine. Didn't matter what color your skin color was, your feet were probably black. Uh, due to the dirt and the grime and so when they would come into somebody's house there was a, a, a bin uh, there uh, to wash your feet because just like you go to somebody's house uh, they may their rules may be to take off your shoes you don't want to track the, the dirt and stuff around the house whatever it may be but uh, you didn't want to go into somebody's house with black feet uh, fil- filthy with grime and, and stuff from the, the road you traveled and so if they happened to have servants, uh, they would be out there washing the feet of these people that came in. Uh, so their feet were filthy. And, and so with that understanding, we can understand a better in context, uh, meaning uh, what it meant uh, to wash somebody's feet. And But we see in John 13, uh, Jesus rises from supper and he laid aside his garments and he took a towel and he girded himself and After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. And so what uh, Jesus did just by getting up and starting to do this was he was sending the message that he is the servant. He is the lowest uh, level in the room. He is going to go to the bottom to be the servant of everybody. I'm taking the role of the the lowest servant, and I'm going to wash every one of your feet. Um, And so what he intended uh, when he girded himself with the towel and he took up that pitcher of water was not merely just to wash their feet. Obviously, that was what he was doing. Uh, But by doing that, he was not only washing their feet, but he was washing their heart. Because that immediately stripped all the pride out of the room. Here these big shots have been arguing for three years who the greatest was. And here is God himself manifested in the flesh and he's coming around and he's washing your feet. That just takes, that, that, that shuts people up right there. They're, they don't know what to say. They, they know uh, and we know that Jesus should not be washing our feet because he's too great I mean there's no way we, we should be washing the feet of Jesus and, uh, and, and, and and at the very least we should be doing that and so uh, and so what Jesus was doing and this happened the foot washing happened before they took communion and um, uh, because that just kind of adds to the the importance of communion, um, because we know the communion is about the, the body and, and blood of Jesus Christ and we don't want to eat of it unworthily otherwise we'd be guilty of the blood and the body of, of Jesus. But uh, And so what Jesus did to prepare for that last, pre- prepare for communion uh, is he went around and he got rid of all the pride in the room. He humbled everybody and by, by doing this, by uh, washing their feet and so... He washed their hearts, their hard hearts and their proud feelings that were there that night uh, because pride gets in the way of God's will. And so in order to do communion and to get ready to leave his disciples, he wanted to make sure uh, that he uh, took care of them. And so the greatest of men just took the form of a servant, the lowest servant, and began to wash their feet this this had such a tremendous effect in that room that night. The, the arguing and the cutting up and the, the bragging of who was the greatest and, and who was Jesus' right hand man. Then all of a sudden, silence filled that room. As they saw the creator of heaven and earth wash their dirty feet. And so Jesus was saying that I am your servant. I've come here to serve you, and that you are. You are greater than me because I'm here to meet your needs. And pride immediately left the room, and a stinging, burning sensation hit their hearts. Who am I that the Lord Jesus Christ should wash my dirty feet? Peter, the loudmouth who didn't have a filter between his brain and his mouth, uh, thankfully we get to learn a lot from loudmouth Pete. Because hopefully that keeps us from making some of the same mistakes that he did. Uh, So we get to learn from his foolishness. But he says in verse 8 of John 13, Peter said to him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus, you're not touching my feet. You're too great and I'm too lowly uh, for you to touch my feet. But uh, Jesus answered him, says, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And so... He, as we referenced earlier, Jesus told him, "You don't understand what I'm doing right now, Pete. Uh, so just hush up. Let me do this." Uh, and so he didn't understand the, the illustration, what all this meant. But all it took to get Peter on the right path, and all it ever takes him to get straightened out, is a good old rebuking by Jesus, and then G- and then Peter's right back in line. And, and so. Uh, Jesus kind of rebukes him. He says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And you see the change in Peter's mindset and his attitude. Verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only. Don't just wash my feet. But now you can wash my hands, wash my head. Give me a shower if you need to. Whatever whatever you're doing, I'm I'm fine with it now because uh, he just got a rebuking, if you will. Uh, because he wants to be a part of what Jesus is doing. And so, but really, as, as, we, as much as we uh, may not completely understand it, when we, for us to say, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet, we mean that in, the, in uh, the humblest sense, I guess, because he's so great and we're so filthy. But when we say that, we say that out of pride, because um, we really need to be cleansed from our filthiness and from our sins and our and our, our our dirty feet, if you will. And so by rejecting Jesus from washing our feet, we are saying we don't want to be cleansed. We don't want to be touched by you. Uh, even though we may say it in a humbling way, uh, that's not the message that is coming across. And so... Uh, only by admitting that we need cleansing and by humbling, humbly allowing Jesus to cleanse us, we are brought into fellowship with him. Then we can really be a part with him because he, we submitted ourselves, we swallowed our pride, we repented, and we said, God, okay, let your will be done. And so Jesus shows us greatness by washing their feet, the disciples' feet. But the greatest example of greatness, I believe, this night is when Jesus washes Judas' feet. Jesus washed Judas' feet. Knowing that, Jesus already knew what Judas was up to. He knew that within a few hours, he would be running off and he would be uh, selling him out, and he would be betraying him. He already has betrayed him, but it would take place within a few hours. And Jesus washed the feet of Judas's feet anyways. That's what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. We would skip that person. I'm not washing their feet after what they did to me or what they said about me or what they did I'm not washing their feet; their feet can stay dirty. That's why I will never be great. Because Jesus took all of our reasoning, took all of our excuses away. Because Jesus washed the feet of Jesus, Judas, uh, and so I wonder where, I wonder where Judas was in the lineup. Was, was he first Did Jesus go to him first? Or did he go to him last? I kind of think maybe he went to him last as he just let that conviction just sit on Judas as he watched Jesus go to every disciple. And he knew he was next and he was last. And he knew deep down what he was doing to him. I personally think that Jesus washed his feet last just to let it affect Judas the more. And so um, all uh, had... Enjoyed the feet washing. Everyone's feet was clean, but not every heart was clean. Obviously, uh, Judas's heart never got clean. But we believe that the other eleven, they they, Jesus fixed them up real good that night, just by washing their feet. And so, the feet of Judas were just as clean as the feet of John and Peter, because Jesus did not skip over Judas, the one that. Would betray him, uh, and so that is the the love of God manifested greater than the love that we have because uh, we would probably skip over that person, and so. Um, and then Jesus goes on to say, the same the same session, the same night, after the foot washing, uh, what's really important uh, and powerful message is He says, uh, by this you. All people shall know that you are my my disciples, is that you will have love for one another. You're going to love each other. That's how you're going to know. People are going to know you're my disciples, because you wash each other's feet. That was in the context of it, but uh, in everything, because you love each other. That's how people are going to know, not because you preach Acts 238, not because you go out and give away bread or not because you uh, live a holy life. That's not how people are going to know you're my disciples. They're going to know we're Jesus' disciples because we have a love for one another. And we would be willing to wash each other's feet even if you have hurt us or if you said something to me or or hurt me. Uh, Our love for each other should be greater than anything that we face. Even though we may bump heads or have Issues at times, uh, the world should know that we are Jesus's disciples because of our love for one another, and that uh, happens through uh, the apostolic act of foot washing. And so, uh, uh, that was my uh, introduction to the the power and importance of foot washing. That it is we are humbling ourselves, doing something that we probably don't want to do, but we want to be great in the kingdom of God and so we have to do that, we have to humble ourselves uh, and do that and so at this time we're going to split off and do that uh, uh, foot washing um, as I said earlier, the ladies, you can stay in here and, and do it in here and the men will go in the kitchen uh, in the hallway, we have extra chairs in there, but um, we've got tubs, um, I'm sure if you haven't been a part of foot washing just don't be the first to go and you'll see how it's done uh, but I think most of us probably have uh, been a part of foot washing where we uh, literally wash their feet somebody's feet and we pray for them that God would bless them and use their ministry and and, and do those things because we want to be the servant of all and so um, we have uh, I think we've got the tubs uh, the tubs in here yet did we bring the tubs in grab the tubs uh, there we go so the tubs are here. Uh, if you brought your towel, it's fine. You can use your towel. We've got bottles of water. We figured to make it. This is make it easier. We use uh, just a bottle of water, um, and so you can just uh, do that. If you want to use a whole bottle, that's fine. Half a bottle, whatever. However it takes to you get uh, feel that you have done your duty. Uh, and so, uh, at this moment, um, we'll we'll dismiss. And when when the ladies are done. And the men are done, then we'll just we'll we'll be done for the service tonight, okay? Is that fair enough? So if we want to split up, you wanna you wanna uh, guys, we can come grab a few buckets, grab some towels, if you haven't bring a towel and ladies the same. And so let's just have a time of, of prayer and, and ministering to one another. Amen. And we're believing for great things this year. Amen. We want God to do great things, but we want the world to know that we have a love for one another. In Jesus' name.